Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar, reminding us all, including me, as we get back to the land of living a little at a time. Follow all guidelines along the way. There's certainly many incredible things to do right here in Mississippi. Just go to visit Mississippi.org to find out your next incredibly cultural and historical experience right here. Speaking of Mississippi, today's guests, I said guests, plural, have learned a whole lot about this hallowed ground and their family's history in the Delta. Look, this place has been for many generations a hotbed of diversity, Italians, Lebanese, Chinese, Jewish, all settled here many moons ago. The arts have always been a colorful way to document and articulate a world so mysterious to many. Today's guests are no exception. Producers of Finding Cleveland, these filmmakers, award-winning filmmakers, latest endeavor, another award uh, going on with Far East Deep South, which strikes a chord that in my terms sounds oh so sweet. Also, a very side note, they use my song, Mississippi Minute, the theme of this crazy show in their film. So I love having uh, a home for that song finally, and I appreciate them very much. It's going to take a stack of Mississippi Minutes to celebrate two careers such as these. When names like Oprah, George Michael, Sting, etc., etc., collaborations with these people, uh, I mean, I can't wait to celebrate these lives. The arts are alive and well with our guests for sure. So let's get to know them better and welcome into the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, producer and lead man Baldwin Chu and director... Larissa Lamb. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having us. Hey, thank you, guys. Are you guys getting along in the pandemic, you know, being married and everything? Tell me about it. For the most part, but, you know, every once in a while, it's like, no, I want to eat this. No, you know, <laughs> I'm sick of eating this. No, oh, yeah. We, we, have a, we have a seven-year-old daughter that keeps us in line whenever. <laughs> the other day, like, we were just having a, a work conversation. It was, it, it was not heated. But it was serious, <laughs> and it was. And then all of a sudden, my daughter walks in with a post-it note that said "kindness." I love it. Yeah. Well, they they've. Uh, <laughs> it makes total sense. They make total sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, they see the world as it really is, right? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. Well, I'm excited to kind of celebrate both your lives, and I'm hoping we can get it done in one Mississippi minute. If we can't, we'll maybe maybe add a second one. Uh, I know you guys were on Rebecca. Rebecca's show recently, and yeah. uh, and uh, and you guys didn't mention that you, we you didn't know I had the show, I guess. So I know you guys are in L.A., but I was going like, hey, wait a minute, the theme song is in the movie, and uh, 
and the theme song to my show. So <laughs> I've been doing this for a few years, and, and it's been great. But it's good to talk to you guys and catch up. Um, I guess the first thing I want to know is how you guys met. All right, this uh, is going to get controversial. Yeah, yeah, well, it's definitely going to get controversial. There's a he says, she said story to this. So, yeah, yeah. Um, At least I get the last word. Go oh, ahead. Oh, no, this is like, <laughs> so don't believe a word he says. Um, well, I I grew up in um, the L.A. area. I grew up in a suburb called Diamond Bar, and so this has kind of been my home my whole life. I even went to college here. I went to UCLA, and uh, so this, this has been my home. Um, how I met Baldwin was um, I was working um, as an I was touring as a solo artist, um, and uh, so one of my friends actually had uh, his, his CD, uh, his first EP, and um, they're like, "Oh, hey, do you know this Chinese rapper?" Because there's there's not very many Asian Americans in the music <laughs> industry, right? So I said, "Oh no, you know I don't know who this. His name is Only One," and it's like, "No, he's the only one I don't know about." No. Um, and, <laughs> And so um, I just looked up his website, and I noticed that his producer for his EP, Maximilian, used to sing in a group called Nitro Praise with me. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. And so I was like, oh, hey, I know Maximilian. And so I just sent a, shot him an email off his website, and I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I know your producer, and another friend told me about you, so I just wanted to connect professionally, professionally, because there's so few other people that were, you know, Asian uh, American. Sure, professionally. No, you know, okay. just professionally. Keep going. Keep going. I didn't think you were my type. Okay. Well, keep going. And anyways, long story short, um, <laughs> he brought me up to do some concerts a year later after I contacted him, and kind of, I I think lured me up to Sacramento. Oh, He's boy. from the North, Northern California area, and um, and then our producer, our, our mutual friend Maximilian, was part of the bill doing the show. And next thing you know, it was like junior high. Maximilian came up to me and he's like, "I think Baldwin likes you, but doesn't think you're interested." And then later on, I found out he went up to Baldwin and said, "Like, I think she likes you," and you know, like, yeah. So that's and then the next thing you know, long story short, uh, we found out we had a lot in common, and here we are today. We've been married twelve years now. Okay, so to clarify, part of what she said was true. What? But but the, the <laughs> so we have to remember that this was during the MySpace days. Yeah, I remember. Y'all remember MySpace? Yeah. And, and what we all know is that MySpace is like the hookup. No, it was, yeah, it was music it, promotion. Yeah, but it ended up Larissa, being... Larissa, as the, as the judge right now, you're going to have to sort of no, withstand no, 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 no. for a second and let We Bowen know that for a while. It, was, it, was, it started off as trying to be music-based, but then it ended up being the hookup space. And so she hit me up the first time. I had never heard of her before. She hits me up randomly on MySpace and says, Hey, uh, I want to connect with you. And Professionally, you, it's still she a music never site. Used, she, hey, it's my turn, my turn. She never used the word professionally in that email. I still have it. I saved it. Oh, come on. I did say. I said. <laughs> she did not say professionally. Okay, so she did come up, and uh, we, we. I did not lure her. I had a concert of a bunch of hip-hop artists, and somebody said, we need to get a girl in here. He had too many dudes. So um, we brought her in, and definitely she, she made the first move. No, I did not yes. make the first move. Made I did not move. make the first move. Made the first move. Okay, but we're right, Steve, let's now. move on to other things. <laughs> the, main, the main thing is, as long as the moves are still coming, the, you know, it's, good. it's all good. That's all that matters now at this point. I'm breaking you guys up right now. I'm bre- no, I'm breaking up the conversation. I am going to move on. But I, 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 love, I love that. All right, all right, so the music part of your life before the filmmaking and directing. Yeah, 
Um, well, you know, I was forced to play piano when I was five years old by my, my parents, and, uh, <laughs> and they would never have I predicted that I'd become a professional musician. Um, I started writing music when I was actually 13. I wrote my first song, and um, growing up as a Chinese-American, I really had no um, encouragement to go into the entertainment and arts industry. You know, there were so few people. I had really no role models in, in, a, in, in the U.S of someone that looked like me that could pursue music. And so I really felt I, I was going to, when I decided at 16 I didn't want to be a doctor anymore and I, I was going to become a music producer, and people looked at me funny and my parents thought I was crazy, um, I honestly thought I'd just stay behind the scenes, um, and that's kind of the route that I pursued, um, sadly because I thought, like, well, there's going to be too much discrimination towards me, so I'm just going to choose something behind the scenes where the way I looked really didn't matter. And so I went to college, I got a business economics degree, is interning at different record companies. Another random fun fact is, uh, you know, Randy Jackson, bass player, American yeah. Idol judge. I interned for him when I was in college. Um, oh, wow. Stay. Right after college, I ended up working as the CFO of a record label, believe it or not. I went right. from... Um, which was a kind of a giant leap, and I was very, very young, and I helped run a, an EDM label. Um, it wasn't called EDM back there. You know, it was called Dance Electronica. Mm -hmm. um, with a, uh, that was founded by a major DJ, Scott Blackwell, who did so many remixes for so many you know, artists in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, I just really cut my teeth there, and I honestly didn't know I would end up becoming a singer. Uh, and so I ended up working as the, the CFO, and one day they're like, hey, we need a singer for this group called Nitro Praise. Our lead singer dropped out. Um, hey, do you think you can go? Because I found out that I sang. <laughs> the next thing you know, I ended up on, uh, on a plane to Baltimore to do a show. <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I mean, this talking about being at the right place at the right time, but this is kind of that, that illustration, like, where you never know what's going to happen in this business, right? And I was, you know, I was, I was doing all the books. I was, I was handling all the money. I was helping run a record label. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm helping to, to be one of the lead singers of this group. And uh, to kind of tie that back into my story with Baldwin, you know, my, my coworker and carpool buddy at the record label and bandmate was Maximilian, who would become our matchmaker, you know, years down the line. Yeah. So God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of got my start in the industry. You know, fast forward, um, I ended up leaving the label um, a couple years later to go solo. Um, and while I was doing that and touring the country, so I've done, I've done I think I've done four solo projects. Uh, albums and um, wow. got to tour the country, but then I also got a chance being in LA to write music. Although the Oprah Winfrey show was in Chicago, but I, I got the opportunity to write for other, you know, video, for video games and, and TV, and um, you know, eventually the Oprah Winfrey show, and um, for a couple years, um, and that was great. You know, I'm finding out so much as I've gotten to to spend this Mississippi minute with you. We're going to take a break. We are with, well, I mean, musicians. First of all, award-winning musicians, now filmmakers. I can't wait to discuss the transition of all of this. But the arts are the arts. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We are with a beautiful couple, uh, although they're going at each other a little bit. I love it. I'm glad I'm the lead man to get them going. Bawin Chu and Larissa Lamb. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out all the cool things you can do right here. Like go to the Oxford uh, Film Festival and see their film, uh, Far East, Deep South award-winning film. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with first director, 
singer, songwriter, Larissa Lamb, and second, and uh, husband, Baldwin Chu, also singer-songwriter. These guys have done so much, but they're making films now. And uh, and I, what I love about it is they're making films about their past, the history, and they've had to come all the way down to the Delta to find out a whole lot about that. Um, finding Cleveland and then now Far East, Deep South. I love how they're exploring their roots, and the roots are so important for all of us in our lives. Everybody's doing DNA tests now, trying to figure out what they really are or who they're, where they're from. Uh, I found out I had cousins that I didn't know that were really good friends of mine growing up, and 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 we find finds out that we are actually my great grandmother and their great grandfather were brother and sisters, or vice versa. And I'm going like, okay, how come we didn't know that? And what happens if we'd have gotten married? It wouldn't have been good. So anyway, that's what goes on down in the Delta. And you're gonna keep Mississippi beautiful studio. What are you saying? What are you saying, Larissa? Everybody is related in the South. I think, I think you're so right. Uh, don't forget, go to visit Mississippi.org, everybody, to find out some things you can do really close to home, especially during these times. Thinking about you, praying for you. All right. Now it's Baldwin's turn. Baldwin, right. uh, take me back uh, your musical backgrounds first. And then I want to discuss this transition to film. And then I want to talk about uh, Far East, Deep South. I want to dig into it a little bit. But take me on your journey so far to date. Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. Um, so, so I go by my stage name, Only One. It's O-N-L-Y-W-O-N. And that's, that's my hip-hop stage name. Because, you know, like rappers, we, we can't go by our real names, right? They, they do now, I guess. Uh, but back in the day, you know, we all had to come up with a cool, cool name. So, uh, you know, basically I did have my, my starts in classical. I played viola. I was in orchestra and all that, classically trained vocally. But really got into hip-hop. And... Uh, I remember when I first started rapping, uh, people would be like, oh, man, you're like the only one that's rapping in Chinese. You're the only one that is Chinese and you're rapping. You're the only one that's not a gang member and you're rapping. You're the only one that thinks you can rap in church and keep it positive. You're the only <laughs> one doing all these crazy things so crazy that you will surely fail. And and so many people were saying that to me. But then I had some encouragement from some people, and they're like, well, you're, you know, like, your faith is telling you that you need to be like the only one that's doing something different. And so we changed the word one, O-N-E, the number one, into W-O-N. That means that though I'm only one person, I haven't lost to the pressures of the world, but I've won um, because my faith won. So it was kind of like my faith really said, hey, you know, maybe God God made me different for a reason. Maybe God gave me this this passion that was different from everybody else, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to fail because I'm not following the status quo, but but I'm going to win. He's going to be behind me, and we're going to try to do something bigger and try to really change this world. And so I went through my, so, you know, that's when I started doing hip-hop. I was rapping, um, really trying to combine, um, you know, being creative and artistic uh, with with Chinese and English together. Mm -hmm. And throughout that process, I was really into entertainment, too, so I started acting, got in front of the screen, and then, um, you know, with, with all music, you know, we always have to do music videos, and, of course, I hired... Um, you know, Larissa, my wife, because she, she has a great... After we got married. After we got married. <laughs> it was a good uh, move, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> she, she continued to help me with music videos. And so, you know, we were always, I was in front of the camera, she was in front of the camera, and, and when we were doing music videos, we started going behind the camera more. And I think that was a really natural way for us to really learn about, um, you know, seeing how, how, how film it was created. So um, that just, you know, naturally led to eventually when we went to Mississippi, when we found in, in the film and finding Cleveland, we, we learned about 
my past, you know, all these years growing up with my dad, my, my brother didn't know anything about my grandfather. We didn't have any understanding of that. And so we, we decided to finally go to Mississippi after we learned about it. And that's when Larissa was like, hey, uh, this is a little bit more than a family vacation. So uh, um, that's how the whole journey began uh, with Finding Cleveland, our short documentary about our, our discovery of, of my, my roots in Mississippi. Now, Bowen, were you guys documenting this just sort of like just for your own records on, when you came down? Or when did the epiphany for a film happen? Yeah, my, my first one uh, was just just to do a family home video. And I actually told Larissa, I was like, hey, this is my family story. I need you to just watch the little one, keep her out of the way, take care of her, and let's go figure this stuff out. That was the nicer way you said it. You said, like, just stay out of her way, just just, just look after our kid. <laughs> it was, he was pretty blunt about it. I was like, okay, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, we, we were taking a family vacation, and we literally thought we were going to go try to find a cemetery of Baldwin's grandfather. We didn't even know at this time where the cemetery was. We just showed up. Um, we knew it was in Cleveland, you know, somewhere, and and we just said, we're going to Cleveland, Mississippi, we're driving down, and we're, and his brother, like, his brother just thought, like, well, we'll just drive around. How many cemeteries can there be? We'll just keep looking for it. Larissa, was this your first time down? Yeah, I had never been to Mississippi. Before. I think all of us our first time down. down yeah. yeah, I'd been to Tennessee. You know, we 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 landed in Memphis and then drove down. Um, right. But I'd never been to Mississippi before, and so um, it was a brand new experience to me. So, so even y'all's folk. I mean, so so Baldwin, your your dad, and obviously they move from the Delta or no? Uh, no to, I, I, or your grandfather? Your grandparents were the last generation here at the Delta in the Delta. Yes, my well, just half of my grandparents. My grandfather on my dad's side was the last one. I got gotcha. you. Uh, my great grandparents were both in Mississippi as well. So, and that's, where, and that's where the story gets complicated and interesting, which is why we had to make a feature-length film because um, they his after his grandfather had died, his great grandmother moved back to China and um, ended up bringing his dad over to the U.S. years later. Um, and it's a fascinating story because I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of families, especially um, Chinese families, have a kind of a break in their generation in the U.S. Um, because of something called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which huh. was passed in 1882, which basically you know, restricted immigration for Chinese and also prevented them from becoming U.S. citizens. Um, so there's this like, whole part of history that you know, I know we both didn't know a whole lot about, and I know very few people you know, in the general public know about. So um, that was a little wrinkle that we, we learned a lot about as well. Okay, so promoting a film with what's going on right now. So what has been the challenges? And we're going to dig way deeper into the film because I want to understand more as well. And I also want to understand why your family left because a lot of the families that have come here, are there's, there's still generations hanging out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and but, but with that said, you know, why, why did they leave? Did you, did you discover that in the film? Yeah, I mean, in, in Far East Deep South, we, we go over... It's, we, we, she likes to call it a prequel and a sequel to Finding Cleveland because, you know, we found Cleveland. Everyone knows, everyone's watched that, and, and we're like, well, how did we get to Cleveland in the first place? Why was it so important that we go, make that first journey to, to Cleveland to, to learn more about Mississippi and our family roots? And then after we left, 
what happened when we made continued trips back to the Delta and to interview more people that knew my grandfather and great-grandfather, and then to go into the historical elements, starting to um, talk to historical figures, politicians, uh, going to the National Archives to really dig into the roots and doing that family search uh, for our, our, our heritage. Yeah, and, and more fascinating, I think it's, it was a, an emotional journey for Baldwin's dad. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, dad basically didn't grow up with, he didn't grow up with a father, and so that's where, the, you know, the events kind of set off is the fact that right. Baldwin knew his grandfather and his grandfather was Mississippi his his dad never made it to you know Mississippi to ever live um, except for to just to visit you know wow. when we there and um, and and really it's because after Baldwin's grandfather and great-grandfather died his great-grandmother went back to China and brought his dad to San Francisco and a lot of it was because she didn't want to go back to the Delta, even though she still had friends. Mm-hmm. But taking that a little bit further back, why was my dad in China for my great-grandmother to have to go get if my grandfather and great-grandmother and great-grandfather were already in Mississippi? Good point. That's, yeah. Right? That, that's the weird story. So our film really captures why that happened. And it's really, a, 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 it's really the repercussions of the Chinese Exclusion Act, of how... Um, the Chinese Exclusion Act was really here to try to deter Chinese families from expanding and growing in the United States. Wow, wow. There's so much to it. Okay, we're going to take a break, but before you guys get to play DJ, because now, speaking of musical roots and speaking of your, you guys' musical roots, as you venture to the Delta, you obviously discover what's made us so uh, historical and so important, our, our music. Uh, all genres just crossing paths. Uh, at any given intersection. So, would you guys like to hear Elvis Presley or Charlie Pride? And I need one decision between the two of you. <laughs> Charlie Pride. Pride. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love our boy Charlie. Well, I never got to meet Elvis, although my mom says, you know, she used to play her high school, but I've gotten to meet Charlie and actually do the Opry with him multiple times and uh, got to see him again last year. He's one of the most beautiful men I've ever met in my life. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Speaking of beautiful, we're with uh, Baldwin Chu. And Larissa Lamb. I'm getting Larissa right now because I I probably uh, I had an I instead of an E going on. But I got that now. Uh, don't forget, go to visit Mississippi.org to find all the cool things you can do right here. We'll be right back. Kiss an angel good morning. And love her like the devil when you get back home. Kiss an angel good morning. And let her know you think about her when you're gone. Kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil when you get back home Hi, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Hear the show Saturdays at 1, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Turkeys, whitetail, Grenada Lake crappie, or Gulfport redfish. We enjoy it all, especially when you're in camp with us on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm fascinated by today's guest. Uh, it should have been, uh, they should be 80 or 90. I said 75 off the call up before we recorded, but they should be 80 or 90 all that they've accomplished. You know, in our business, hard work, uh, talent, first of all, you got to be real and you got to be honest with it. But then you got to go work at it. And so many people ask all the time, 
you know, I, I don't know anybody in our business. We're talking to, to Bowen Chu and Larissa Lam, uh, the creators of the award-winning film right now, Far East, Deep South, that you can check out. And we're going to find out where you guys can go check that out. Because they're, this is historical and it's honest. And I love that about that. And they're also discovering their roots, which is so important for us all. Uh, guys, the transition, you talk about making music videos and, and all that. But going to film, full-blown filmmakers, um, was it a challenge? And second of all, just going from the music business to the movie business. Um, obviously, there's a lot of synergy. You know, we know that. But, but what were the learning curves, I guess? Well, I think for me, um, you know, I'd worked in television as, as well. I'd hosted a, a show for nine years and associated a, a, a show called Top Three for a network. That's why you're 90 years old. I just want you to know. I'm nine years old. I've had so many careers. Some of them have happened, you know, at the same time. I think that, you know, a lot of us wear multiple hats in the entertainment industry. Right, and, right. Um, I learned a lot about production in that regard, um, you know, working for TVN's youth network, JCTV, and um, I also, you know, was producing music videos, um, which are really short films, right? Like when we're doing... You're right. Yeah. Um, and had had a lot of knack for storytelling. And, you know, way back when I was in college, I actually um, wrote and directed several plays, which people don't know about. And, um, and so I had some experience directing, but for the stage, um, and... Honestly, when I came on to Finding Cleveland, we decided to make a short film about it. I actually handed the reins over to Baldwin, and he found an editor. And they did an initial cut that was, I think, like 30 minutes. And I came in. I was just supposed to compose the music. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at the cut, and I said, oh, no. Oh, no. This, is, this, this cannot see the light of day. Let me help you with this. <laughs> and um, just like how I became a singer, I kind of fell into it. I kind of fell into directing. Um, I guess in the back of my mind, it's always something I've wanted to do, but this was the right vehicle, and so I, I, I decided to kind of reshape the story for Finding Cleveland. Yeah. I knew that she wanted to be a director because she's always trying to tell me what to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to the wonderful world of marriage. Second of all, that means you've already passed. That's you're, You've made it 12 years. You're going to make it another uh, 45 or 50, maybe 60, because you, you you know the answers uh, and the magic to staying married. You, I mean, we'll be 150. We're never right, Bowen. What are you talking about? Never. <laughs> Second of all, uh, how, how, do you have a doghouse built yet outside for yourself? Uh, we don't have room for a doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the city. So, uh. oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, you can find you a corner to go hang out on and put your head against a wall when you do wrong. Uh, you know? We don't have that space in Mississippi in the backyard where we live because we, uh, we live in the city. But the good thing is I have, I have a good couch. My yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. My wife lately has been saying, "Are you still here?" Like, because I'm never here, and yeah. so, and uh, and so, uh, I told her, I said, "The you're lucky when when I leave, I'm not. You know, you're totally away from me, but I can't ever leave myself. It's awful." <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, it's just you know, you win no matter what. Okay, okay. So let's dig a little bit more in the film. When did your family Baldwin come over? Uh, we're talking late 1800s, probably, but but specifically, what year? Okay, do we spoil? Oh, boy. Well, we can spoil a little bit. Okay, so it gets complicated. And um, so we, based on what we've researched for the film, and we sort of show this in the film, we get, we're, we're estimating probably around the late 18, possibly mid to late 1860s. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe 1870. We're not sure the exact date. I mean, think um, about that. That's a long time ago. That is 
was a long, long time, time ago. ago. So through the process of this film and the research, uh, we discover that Baldwin's family has been in the, the U.S. for more generations than we realized. Right. So. Right. Um, count our daughter, it's actually six generations. Um, and so that's part of the theme of, of our film is kind of redefining what it means to be American or, or broadening what people's idea uh, of what that means. I mean, I know your family, you know, has Leb- you know, yeah. Lebanese. Yeah. And um, Baldwin's just happens to be, you know, Chinese. And I, I think there is this um, the stigma attached to people that are Asian that, you know, if you look at somebody that's, that has an Asian face, you think like, oh, where are you from? You know, like you just don't expect them to be American necessarily. Or you think that your default thinking, your, your implicit bias is like, oh, they're going to have an ex, they're going to have an yeah, accent. <laughs> um, and then what we found in the Delta, right? Yeah, like, they, all like, they, had, they had all access. Oh my they, gosh. It's the funniest access. thing. It's, Look, when I go to New York, although they, they want me to be Italian and I'm not, they go, you're, t- you know, Tony from New York, and I'll start talking and they'll go, what happened? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah, well, this, the, the Mississippi Delta happened. You know, I want to know more about, so I've been reading a lot about, you know, the Lebanese Christians that we, we, we are Catholics and we came over, right? And there were a lot of, Lebanese didn't want to work for anybody. They wanted to work for themselves, and I get it still to this day with my right. families and everything because I love working, uh, you know, and being in control of my own musical career and everything I'm doing. Uh, so that's never left my system. With your family, I still see the same thing. I mean, I know maybe they didn't have brick-and-mortar places yet. How did it start for them and what I've always known is you guys, you know, the Chinese were in business for themselves as well down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of that wasn't by choice. Um, right, the Chinese Exclusion Act was actually a law put into place by, um, in order to get rid of Chinese laborers. So um, After the railroad was built, you know, Transcontinental Railroad, um, you know, a lot of the Chinese were recruited, recruited mm-hmm. to work on the plantations um, to obviously replace um, the slave labor um, that had been lost. And so they, that's how they kind of made it to the Delta in the first, the, the first wave of, of Chinese immigrants. Um, and across the nation, you know, there was this, this jealousy rising up that Chinese were taking jobs away. And, um, and so there was a big movement by a lot of Irish Americans to kind of get rid of the Chinese. And so that's why the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act was passed. And as a result, they were not allowed. Now, anybody that came in from China could not be a laborer. They had to be a merchant. Wow. Well, you know, you bring up, I'm not meaning to interrupt, but the you bring up the Irish doing that. Well, the Irish had a, were the version of the Chinese before the Chinese were. So yeah, they, yeah, everybody. They, they were everybody. looking to point a finger, and all of a sudden, now we're American. <laughs> I love that. It's great. I know. And, you know, you hopefully you don't, re- you know, repeat the, the, yeah. the same pattern that people you know, happen, but that it's, it's so true that sometimes the abused become the abuser. Right, exactly. (laughs) In this case, you know, um, it it was, the the Chinese were forced, the loophole was you can come to the country if you were a merchant. And so Baldwin's Mm -hmm. great-grandfather ended up, um, you know, buying into, uh, or partnering, I should say, we we found out through the research, partnering with another person in Pace, Mississippi, for a grocery store. He actually ended up, you know, uh, 
I think, helping with a lot of different stores before he got to Pace, Mississippi. Um, but that's that's where he settled and, and owned and operated a store for mm-hmm. many years. Yeah, and it wasn't just grocery stores. You know, the Chinese had, they, you know, they started with laundries and, of course, restaurants. And, right. and in other parts of the country, of the but country, the Delta yeah. was predominantly grocery stores, which right. is why those of you who've grown up in the Delta know, in uh, frequent. We in still have Bings down the, down the highway. I mean, it's been there yeah. forever. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just great, man. All right, we're going to take a, another quick break before we wrap this thing up. We'll have a, a little bit more time in a Mississippi minute. I'm with Baldwin Chu and Larissa Lamb. They are married, and uh, and I bet they race each other. Who wins to the mailbox? I beat you. Or who who ended up racing to the kitchen? I bet you there's a competitive thing going on in that household. And, this, and their seven-year-old beautiful baby girl gets to witness it all and take it all in. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio uh far east deep south you got to check it out and we got to make sure guys that don't let me forget to let everybody know how they can check it out and what they can do uh, especially right now people are are spending time watching more netflix and hulu than than we can count so it's a good time for people to amazon whatever to 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 sit back and and watch a great film of of yours such historical uh presence and value and anything that has to do with mississippi delta i am all in go to visit mississippi.org to find out the next cool getaway it's right here we'll be right back because i'm the cool Folks, Steve Azar here, letting you in on the Guarantee Bank Summer Better Sweepstakes when sending money with Zelle. Zelle is a fast, safe, and easy way to send money in minutes to friends, families, and others you trust, no matter where they bank, right from Guarantee Bank's mobile banking app. And now you can win the $5,000 grand prize when making Zelle transactions from June 1st to July 31st. Just download the Guarantee Bank mobile app to send money with Zelle at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Visit gbtonline.com forward slash Zelle dash sweepstakes for more info and rules. No purchase, account, or Zelle necessary to enter to win. Guarantee Bank. Member FDIC. Feeling down? Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. Okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi and now on Amazon Alexa devices. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I got Ball and Chew, Lisa Lamb. Great filmmakers, great musical artists. It's been great to really get to know them because we were negotiating uh, the whole time. It wasn't really a negotiation. I was excited for Mississippi Minute to finally find a home, and I, and I'm flattered and honored that it's in you, in you guys' film, especially with your musical background. It always means the world to me. 
Uh, go to visit Mississippi.org to find out everything you can do right here. Short getaway. I know we're in some crazy troubled times right now. And we're trying to get through it, and everybody's sort of banged up. But please follow protocol. Pay attention to your civ- civil leaders and civic leaders and, and uh, everybody involved in our governor and our mayors. And just really sort of try to do the best you can uh, to follow guidelines. That they're in it for the right reason and to get us back on our feet and rolling uh, like we should. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. All right. Guys, how can we go see the film? That's yeah. the question of the day. I mean, we, we were talking about how this pandemic has really shaken up everything. So we were supposed to do a ton of film festivals in person originally, right. in, including the Oxford Film Festival, um, which we ended up doing virtually. And we won. And, we, and you and won, we, guys. That's right. That's yeah. feature. Um, and... So now it's a matter of um, we're doing virtual film festivals um, in the in the next coming months, uh, and as we're talking, the, the schedules have shifted. <laughs> so the best way people can find out um, what when our film is going to be playing is to go to our website, fareastdeepsouth.com. Um, you can find dates on there, but more importantly, go subscribe to our newsletter on there, our mm-hmm. email newsletter, because that's the way you get the updates um, as well. They write in your in- inbox. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook um, at Far East Deep South. Um, we are on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, and it's, it's just been such a strange season. We are going to be doing some virtual film festivals where people can watch the film online, um, and eventually down the line they'll have other options to watch it. But uh, we've been trying to navigate this. Uh, yeah. It's been it's been a strange time as a, trying to get a film into the world. And like you mentioned, you know, we are trying to work with distributors to to try to get it out there commercially. But of course, with this whole lockdown, it's taking a little longer for them to discover the film and for us to talk things through and for them to be able to see the film. So uh, that's taken a while, but I mean, we're, we're still working on that. We're hoping to get some TV broadcasts eventually uh, next year, which we're also working on. So we know the film's going to make it out there. It's just taking a little longer. In the uh, meantime, you know, in in the coming months, um, people will get a chance to watch it in September um, on, on some virtual film festivals. So yeah, some um, of them will be geo-blocked to the region. Some of them will not be, and so we'll we'll be letting people know which ones are available to the entire world. Or right, <laughs> right. They're only for local areas. Our, yeah. son, our son Strack just had one of his shorts that was uh, up for an award in the Austin Film Festival last year, and it was actually just placed this much later in time uh, in the uh, Amleto. Is it Amleto? Right? It's sort of a, uh, a they have quite a bit of followers. It's sort of a, a place where films that are up for awards uh, at one point, like you guys have been up and won, uh, that they have like a, I think, four million pretty hardcore viewing audience. So uh, uh, you guys will, you guys got to check that out as well because it, yeah. it was pretty cool. I mean, and then uh, just just more, you know, more more screen time, getting a new audience out in front of. It's just so much content now. So as you guys know, you know, when I'm making a record, I don't think about what else is going on out there, right? I never think about that. But with all the content that's out there, how do you? wade through it all you know and sort of like moses part in the red sea and open it up for for your film to be really really truly you know get its moment yeah i mean i think part of what helped us was finding cleveland and having four years to really develop an audience and partnering with a lot of um organizations that had an interest in history or genealogy um you know we just did something with family search and uh you know we partnered with a lot of um, Asian-American organizations, historical societies, um, a lot of 
you know, educators, too, because this is really American history. Like, we, we tell people it's not a Chinese-American story. It's not an Asian-American story. It's just a plain American story. So no matter what exactly. color you are, exactly. you know, we all come, you know, we all come from somewhere. Look, guys, I can't thank you guys enough for spending a Mississippi minute with me. Uh, I could spend a Mississippi uh, decade with you guys and uh, <laughs> just just your careers and what you've accomplished so far in your life. Uh, and uh, I wish you guys and your baby girl all the all the uh, all the wonderfulness and 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 things that uh, that come with living a beautiful life, and and she's got beautiful parents. So I'm trying to spit this out. You've been in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio with Baldwin Chu and Larissa Lamb, great filmmakers, great musical artists. Check out Far East Deep South. Go there, uh, follow them, uh, get to know them, their family, their story because it's so Mississippi. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out all the cool things you can do right here. I'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. We love you guys. Y'all are the best. All right, later on. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Feeling down? Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. Okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi and now on Amazon Alexa devices. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.